Hello, my name is uh, Andy. As Ben said at the start, um, I am a vicar from Norwich, but actually I grew up in Cambridge. So this is like my home city, and I love this city. And um, I spent the first 25 years of my life in this city, and I then moved away, and I came back to train as a vicar at uh, Ridley Hall, which is a vicar factory just up the road. And um, it's great to be here. And uh, my mum is with me today, and I'm so happy about that. I very rarely come to church with my mum these days, so that feels like a novelty to me. Um, but it's so good to be here. It feels like a privilege to be here. And um, as Ben said, I am, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a vicar now based in Norwich. I'm the associate vicar in Earlham, and uh, I lead a new church venture called St. Anne's Crossroads, which is trying to engage and reach with young adults and students. And... Um, yeah, I'm also the, the chaplain at the University of East Anglia. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas and, and everything that comes with it. Um, but quite easily, you know, we can go through the motions of Christmas, can't we? You know, we can go through that kind of to-do list, the things that we want to do, uh, you know, to make Christmas really Christmas. And that might be, you know, of, co- of course, decorating the Christmas tree uh, and then wearing your Christmas jumper, maybe drinking some mulled wine and mince pies, watching your favorite Christmas movie. I don't know what that is for you. Um, I'm going to show my age here. It's Home Alone. I love Home Alone. And Home Alone 2. I'm not, I can't even believe they made a remake of that on Disney+. Plus. Well, how dare they do that? But I don't know what it is for you. Maybe Elf, my friend's Christmas movie, is Die Hard. Doesn't seem very Christmassy to me. Um, but I love Christmas. I love Christmas. And maybe as we go through that to-do list... Um, maybe you know, coming to a carol service, coming and belting out the carols. Maybe that's part of your thing to make Christmas Christmas. And we hear the readings, and we hear the story again. And we can, we just, we can go through the motions where we just get used to it. And I hope tonight that maybe somehow that we might be able to revisit and recapture some of the the wonder, some of the mystery of this event. And it doesn't need to be modified. It doesn't need to be refurbished or updated or rebranded. It is the most phenomenal story, the most crazy event throughout the centuries. And that was the same 115 years ago. A chap called Reginald Fessenden. Reginald Fessenden, what a name, hey? That's quite incredible. Uh, Reginald Fessenden, if you, some, some may know, he was the inventor of the AM radio. Canadian-born, he was the chief inv- one of the chief inventors for Thomas Edison. And on, in his accounts, he writes that in um, 1906, that on Christmas Eve, um, he'd been falling around with his invention. And up to this point, the radio, it could only transmit Morse code. And that was a pretty big deal at the time. No one else had done that. That was groundbreaking. And it was done to communicate with um, ship captains out on the Atlantic and the northern seaboard so they could communicate with, with ships. Uh, and on Christmas Eve, 1906, Reginald Fessenden had been playing around with his, his invention um, to see if he could get it powerful enough that it might be able to transmit human voice for the first time. And in the silence of the night, without any social media campaign, without any a big announcement or big push, he opened his Bible with his little invention. And in the silence of the night, he read Luke 2, the Christmas story. The first story ever to be read over the radio. And imagine if you were a ship captain that night, out on the sea, in the darkness, 
with the waves going up and down, and you're used to your um, new radio, kind of the tap, 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 tap of Morse code. You're used to that. But in the silence of the night, suddenly a voice came out of nowhere. The Christmas story. Good news of great joy for all people. You would be freaking out, right? And the way that the silence was broken, that static, the radio silence was broken, it is not too dissimilar to how the first Christmas happened. I don't know if you know, but when we look at the Bible and we have the Old Testament, the story of God's people, the story of Israel, and we have the prophets, these prophecies of a Messiah that is going to come, that's going to bring salvation to the world. And we get to the end of the Old Testament, and we come to the prophets and then the minor prophets, and then, bam, we're into the New Testament, and we're here with Matthew and the, and the genealogy of Jesus. And we can just think that the timeline, that it just kind of flows from one to the other. But in the middle, I'm sure you've probably seen it before, you have this blank page, and maybe just a header that says the New Testament. Did you know that this page represents 400 years of silence? 400 years of nothing. And these are, these are God's chosen people. This is Israel, the people where God says, I will be your people. You, I will be your God, you will be my people. I will provide for you. And then 400 years of no prophets, no thus says the Lord, nothing. Radio silence from heaven. Can you imagine that? Generations of generations of, of children saying to um, their parents, Mom, Dad, have you heard from God? No child. No one has heard from God for a very long time. What about granddad or great-granddad? Have they heard from God? No child. No one has heard from God for a very long time. I don't know if anyone has ever given you the silent treatment but maybe for 40 seconds, or four minutes, or 40 minutes, you know, it's excruciating. 400 years of silence. And you would maybe come to assume that God was maybe, he was dead, that he, he was just mad, I mean like really mad, like 400 years mad. Or maybe that he was just indifferent, that maybe he had nothing left to say. But after 400 years of silence, God wasn't dead, he wasn't mad, he wasn't indifferent, it wasn't that he didn't have anything left to say. The silence was broken at the sound of a crying baby. The silence was broken. And do you know, out of all the days, after 400 years of silence, what a day for the silence to be broken. What kind of day was it? It was census day. A crazy day, a nightmare day, where everybody was going about doing their business. And we hear the story, we know it. We have Mary and Joseph, who had to return to their, their town of heritage to be registered. And they are surrounded by this, this cloud of scandal, under suspicion. And do we get it? I know today we hear it, you know, the virgin birth, the incarnation, um, the virgin mother. But I don't think the neighbors really got that story. I don't think the neighborhood got it. Imagine it. You know, if, if you knew a couple and they're engaged to be married and they're saying they've never slept together and she comes and says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm pregnant. And, but it's okay because it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're like, yeah, okay. I'm sure the neighbors bought that. 
under suspicion, under scandal. And they have traveled late into the night, traveled 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 90 miles on a donkey. If that's not to induce labor, I'm not sure what will. And arriving late at night, no room in the inn. And of course, we weren't there. We, we don't know, but I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to be thinking, what, what is Mary thinking? What is Mary kind of praying at that point? I think she's thinking, Lord, please not now. Lord, please not in these circumstances, not in this, not in this situation. Please do not let the baby come now. But on that night, maybe on a day, and up to that point, maybe their most stressful day ever, a nightmare day, a stressful day, her waters broke and the baby was born. Jesus was born right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of the chaos. And Jesus does the same today. He comes in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of chaos. He is not distant. He is not uncaring. The first Christmas was messy. And who did the news come to? We had it in the reading. To a bunch of shepherds where the angel proclaims, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. All people. Nobody misses out on the glory, the good news of Christmas. And the shepherds, you know, when we picture the shepherds today, we picture them with their kind of, you know, their nice clean tea cloths on their head, and we picture them with their nice clean linen, and we kind of think of maybe like farmers, you know, good, respectable people. But shepherds and those days, well, if you could not be anything else, you were a shepherd. You did not need any GCSEs, an A-level or a degree to be a shepherd. And of all shepherds, a night shepherd. I mean, you weren't even trusted to take care of sheep that were awake. You were, you were the lowest of the low. And to these people, the most unexpected people, the good news comes. Good news of great joy for all people. And I wonder today, do you know the good news? Are you experiencing that great joy? The theme for this carol service is a thrill of hope. Do you know the hope? And I don't know about you, but I know something that often robs me of my joy and of my hope. And as much as I love it, as much as I'm addicted to it, that social media, and we know it, don't we? You know, where we have windows into other people's lives. And, you know, we can think that life is okay. We can think that what we've got is okay. And then we suddenly we have to we compare it to someone else we've seen. I'll give you a, a classic scenario in my life. Um, so I have, as I said, I've got two daughters. Did I say that? I'm not sure I did. I've got a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old, and I love them. I adore them. And, um, but, you know, life and children are sometimes going to be full on. And uh, a classic scenario in our household is that it's tea time. And if I give my kids any choice about what is for tea, they always give the same, uh, it's always the same option, and it's the three Ps. And this is a winning combination if you don't know it. The three Ps are pesto, pasta, and peas. It's like, that is a great sermon illustration right there, three Ps. The pesto, pasta, and peas. If you haven't tried that combination, you need to try that. That is my Christmas gift to you today. Merry Christmas. Um, so they're there eating the pesto, pasta, and the peas. 
And um, I can't say that anymore. Um, so, and normally, one of my kids has normally got a cold or a cough. Um, they've picked it up at school or from like after school clubs. So one of them's got you know like a runny nose or some sort of nasty snot thing going on. And then my other daughter um, has probably got managed to get kind of pesto in her hair. And they're they're both in this kind of creative mood at the moment. So they're wearing like some random outfit, and but that's okay. We can roll with that. And my eldest was playing with my wife's mascara before tea. So um, mascara got all over the cream carpet. And I'm trying to get my kids to stay at the table to finish their tea. And they're starting to fight. And I'm losing my mind. So I think, oh, there's a fly. Um, uh, there is a fly. Hello. I'm going to go over here. Um, so I'm losing my mind. So I'm thinking, I'm going to take five minutes out. I'm just going to sit down. And obviously, you look at the phone. And here comes Instagram. And there's one of my friends. Lo and behold, they've, for their family little Christmas trip, they've just popped to Lapland. And they're, and, and they're there, and um, their kids, you know, the same age as our kids, they're wearing lovely Christmas matching outfits with their white sparkly teeth. And uh, they've gone for a walk in the wintry, you know, snowy forest to cut down a Christmas tree. And uh, the husband is wearing a nice Christmas jumper, and his muscles are bursting out of the Christmas <laughs> jumper. And he's got his axe, and, and he's cutting down a Christmas tree, and he's not breaking into any sweat whatsoever. And he gets the Christmas tree and puts it over his shoulder and takes it back to their brand-new Land Rover. And the, and, the, and the kids are just kind of prancing by on a reindeer. And um, they're, they're going to take the Christmas tree back to their log cabin, uh, where they're going to decorate the tree and sing Christmas carols, and then they're going to get around the fire and drink hot chocolate and toast marshmallows. And then I snap back to the reality of my life. And I'm like, ooh, good news <laughs> of great joy for all people. And maybe you know people today. You know, it's the 28th of November, and maybe you know them, and they've done their Christmas shopping already. Maybe they did it back in October, and they've done all their... Christmas cards, they're done, and uh, paid for their Christmas shopping in full, no credit card needed. And uh, they've done all the Christmas presents, they've bought all the Christmas dinner, all sorted already, um, they're knitting a Christmas scarf, and they're making a little gingerbread house and a little gingerbread family. And if that's you and you're here today, we all say Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe for you, maybe life is messy. Maybe life right now feels hard. Maybe it's been, you know, another tough year. And I don't know what's going on for you, but I won't be surprised. You know, a lot of depression, anxiety, um, just feeling overwhelmed by life. And maybe you're just clinging on, and maybe you're doing well at kind of presenting a good front. But maybe life is hard, and maybe you've experienced relationship breakup this year. Maybe there's been divorce. Maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one. And this Christmas will be the first without them. Jesus comes right into the middle of the mess. He meets us right where we are. The first Christmas was messy. We often sanitize it, but it was messy. In John 1, the reading that we had at the start, it says, The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. And in the, the message translation, it paraphrases it. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, he comes close. He is not distant. He's not uncaring. He comes close in the middle of the mess 
is God with us. I'm not sure what kind of got you through lockdown. I got uh, through a few box sets. One of them was, this, I'm showing my age a little bit now, but the West Wing. Love the West Wing. Anybody else like the West Wing in the room? A few people. You guys, everyone else who hasn't watched it, it is, it is so good. It is slightly dated, but the writing is so good. Anyway, the West Wing. Um, there's a character in the West Wing called Lou McGarry, and he is the chief of uh, staff in the White House. And he, he tells this story. He says, there's a man, and the man is walking down the street, and he falls down a hole. And the sides are too steep, and he cannot get out. And a few minutes later, a doctor walks past. And uh, he, he shouts out to the doctor. He says, doctor, doctor. That sounds like a joke. It's not a joke. Doctor, and I'm, I'm, I'm stuck down this hole, and the sides are too steep, and I cannot get out. Please, can you help me? So the doctor writes a prescription, and then throws it down the hole, and then walks on. A few minutes later, a vicar, a priest, walks by. And uh, the man walk, cries out says, Father, vicar, I'm, I'm stuck down a hole. The sides are too steep and I cannot get out. Can you please help me? And the vicar writes a prayer, says a blessing, and then walks on. A few minutes later, his friend walks by. His friend Joe and he calls out says, Joe, Joe, I'm stuck down this hole. The, the sides are too steep and I cannot get out. Please, can you help me? And Joe jumps down into the hole with him. And he's like, Joe, what are you doing, you fool? Now, now we're both stuck down the hole. And Joe simply responds. He says, don't worry. I've been down here before and I know the way out. Jesus came when we were far off, when we did not deserve it, he came, Emmanuel, God with us, and he punched a hole into the back of death. He is God with us. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all were writing for different um, audiences, different communities in mind. Matthew, when Matthew was writing, he wanted to show us that Jesus is the king of the Jews. So when you look at Matthew's gospel, when you look at his genealogy, uh, uh, the ancestry, he dates it back to uh, Abraham, who was the father of the Jewish nation. Um, Mark, Mark is like the quickest gospel. It's action-packed, doesn't even include a birth narrative or genealogy. It goes straight to Jesus' ministry at 30. Luke, Luke wants to show us that, that Jesus is fully man. So he dates back Jesus' ancestry back to, um, back to Adam, the start of humanity, to show us that we could identify with him, that he was fully man. But John, John goes even further. John goes cosmic. What does John say? John says this. He says, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. Why does he use that word, in the beginning? Because it, he is, intentionally, he is echoing the words in Genesis the creation narrative right at the start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. He's showing us that Jesus is divine. He's showing us that he is eternal, that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, that through him all things hold together. So it's not just, I'm lost at sea, but it's okay because I've got my little friend with me that's going to help me. 
No, it's I'm lost at sea, but the one who is with me holds the oceans in the palm of his hand. It's not just companionship. It's companionship and lordship. He is with us, but he is Lord. And Jesus came to do the most extraordinary thing that has ever been done on planet Earth. He came that we might know love, that we might know forgiveness, that we might know mercy, that we might know um, joy and know purpose, that we might have life and life in all its fullness. And when we think of those things, we can think, oh, that's, they're nice kind of optional extras. You know, maybe I'm living kind of a, a substandard life and a bit of joy would be nice, but it isn't necessary. And it could be, you know, like we're eating Tesco's value, but oh, I'm going to get a bit, a bit of a life upgrade and I'm going to eat Tesco's finest or wherever you shop, Sainsbury's Basics, I think it is. And, you know, I'm eating Taste the Difference, that we're flying economy, but now we're flying first class. I did not need a life upgrade. I did not need a pat on the back, a little helping hand from Jesus. I was dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Scripture does not say that we were having a substandard life. It doesn't say we were eating Tesco's finest. It was say, it's saying that we were eating poison, that the wages of sin is death. And Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, the Scripture does not say you must be improved. It says you must be born again. Jesus came to do the most extraordinary thing, born into a manger, in humility, in vulnerability. He lived 33 years. He lived a perfect life. And he took everything that we have done wrong, everything that we have done wrong, he took it to the cross. When we were far off, that we might be called right, that we might be made right with God, that we could call him Father. And it's nothing to do with what we've done or that we've earned it or if we're good enough. It's because of his love. It's because of his mercy, his forgiveness. It's the most incredible gift that has ever been given. And I don't know if you're here tonight. Maybe your friends dragged you along. Um, I'm going to say a prayer. And I don't know if you've ever said yes to Jesus, that you've ever invited him into your life. And we heard some amazing testimonies of, of, of folk that have done that. And it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words. It's about just saying yes to him and saying sorry. Um, so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if, just ask disrespect for others. Let's, if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And, and maybe if, you wanna, if you've never said yes to Jesus before, I encourage you to repeat these words in, in the silence of your heart. Um, and just, it's about you and God, making it between you and God. And Jesus, thank you that you came. Jesus, thank you that you came. That you came to walk among us. And thank you that you went to the cross and you died for me. Thank you that you went to the cross and died for me. I am sorry for all the things that I have done wrong. Lord, would you come into my life? Would you heal me 
and make me whole. I want to be a Christian. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. I have gone on too long, but thank you for listening and have a wonderful Christmas.